commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Uh, looks like no problem here uh, being on the air. says we're on the air, so we're going to trust the uh, awful people at Blog Talk, who uh, hopefully none of them are listening. Uh, we got nobody in the chat room either right now, so uh, we can't get any feedback on that, but it says we're on the air, so we're going to keep on rolling, folks. Um, for those who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, we had all kinds of issues last week. Uh, we had to bump uh, Dr. Edward Guimont to uh, next week. So uh, we'll be talking about Flat Earth and all that fun stuff next week. Tonight, we have uh, and I'll have more information on that at the end of the episode, as usual. But uh, for the folks who are wondering where the hell we were last week, uh, Blog Talk screwed us. That's the, that's the, that's the long and the short of it. So uh, we'll, we're going to probably end up uh, moving to a different service uh, at some point soon. But again, why am I ramming about this? We have a real show to do. So tonight on the program, the Summer of Strangeness continues uh, with a couple of guests. I believe this is our first twofer here this summer. Uh, Steve McDaniel and Adam Allen. Steve is the founder and lead software developer, while uh, Adam is the co-founder, legal affairs, and data licensing guy for this new project known as Skyhub. And what Skyhub is, uh, I'll just sort of give you the really short version. These guys can tell you the long version. We're going to explore this whole uh, concept here tonight on the program. A worldwide public search for UAPs using a global network of machine learning, smart cameras, and sensor arrays built by you with our open source software. So it's a, an ambitious idea uh, for the folks who heard our show with Chris Cogswell uh, a few weeks ago at the beginning of the month of July. Um, he is, I believe he's the science advisor for uh, Skyhub. Uh, he's the chair Correct. of the science advisory board, which is even more <laughs> impressive. Um, so he, he talked a little bit about this, and uh, I wanted to know more. So through Chris, we got Steve and uh, – and Adam here on the show. So with all that said, welcome to the program, guys. We're really looking forward to uh, exploring the Skyhub concept with you here tonight. Thanks for having well, Thanks for having us on. Uh, now, traditionally, we start off with the bio, the background. So, uh, you know, introduce yourselves to the uh, Banal of America audience. Um, I guess we'll start with Steve since he called in first. So we'll reward him for his uh, – for being. he actually called in before I was on the show tonight. 
So it was like, what the hell's, what the, I, better, I better hurry up and get started here. This guy's like waiting for me. So Steve, uh, you know, what's what's the bio, the background? How did you, how did, uh, you know, you can hold off, I guess, if you want, or go right into sort of how Skyhub formed. But we want to know who you are first, and, and, and uh, you know, then we'll move on from there. All right. Um, I'm Steve McDaniel. Um, my day job, I'm a software engineer, so I've essentially done a lot of software and embedded development over my career. Um, I actually got started in naval intelligence and spent about five years um, in the military. And then I spent about a total of 16 years in the intelligence community, and I worked for companies like Raytheon and Northrop Grumman. And uh, I've done a lot of hardware development, software development, kind of a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to computer stuff. Um, and eventually it led, like... I, I don't know, a weird chain of events led me to working on a UFO project. And we can jump into the details after Adam jumps in here. All right, Adam, uh, you know, who is Adam Allen? What's your bio? What's your background? Yeah, um, I'm actually the uh, non-technical one of the three founding members. Uh, Steve is a software guy, and Corey, I think he's traveling tonight. He's a software guy. I'm an attorney in Houston, Texas. Um, I spent the last 12 years studying UAPs and tinkering with my telescopes and recording the skies after uh, an event in 2008. And I heard about these guys and this crazy idea of building a global machine learning network of smart cameras. So I offered to throw a few uh, pro bono legal hours their way if they had anything they needed a lawyer for, and here we are thousands of hours later with, you know, 500 guys uh, and girls uh, putting together this actual global network. Very nice, very nice. All right. So, Steve, tell us how how did did Skyhub come about? and sort of flesh out a little bit, you know, I gave, I gave the elevator pitch there, but, you know, tell us exactly what this is um, and, and really how it came about. You said it was kind of a funny turn of events. Yeah, so um, I've actually been into the UFO community for less than a year. Um, I actually got into the community by making a PDF search engine um, that would let you grab a PDF file, index it, and basically search it like you would search Google. So... Mm-hmm. Um, just to test my software, I decided to grab all the UFO files um, that have ever been released by the major world governments. And that is what got me into the UFO community because when I published it, people started reaching out to me. And I got together with a group of people and we started working on this uh, tracker system to essentially study the UFO phenomenon. So kind of the idea was you have all these people they're um, having experiences or seeing UFOs, and there's really no good evidence anywhere. So there's there's a lots of physical evidence lacking, but there's a lot of stories, right? Yeah. So the idea was, let's remove the human element, and we'll put together an array of cameras and sensors to actually collect data to understand what's going on. So kind of kind of my thought was is. If the UFO ph- phenomenon is really happening and it's real physical things, like if it's manifesting itself in reality, it's leaving some sort of fingerprint that's detectable or observable, 
So we started putting together cameras and sensors and writing software for this platform. And uh, together with Adam and Corey and now Chris and, you know, the whole community, we've put together a platform to aggregate all this data in a central database with the idea and hope that we can share this database with the public and with academics and researchers so they can actually do real scientific research on UAPs and UFOs. And what now I see here, uh, I'm looking at the, the tracker thing here. If you go to folks, we didn't even mention the URL. Uh, skyhub.org is uh, the URL for this project. I guess you'd call it a project, right? Um, so I'm looking at the, if you scroll down on the page, you see this, this is it, what is you, so tell me about this box thing because um, that's so that's the first thing that kind of like jumped out at me as I was looking at uh, what you guys are working on. Um, is this kind of what you want to put around the world essentially? So yeah, there's, Steve, there's actually that? a little. What's that? No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible with so these double guests. I never direct. A, I never. I don't know who's. I don't know who's best to answer the question. <laughs> I don't know either one of you guys. So I don't know who's the best one to answer the question on this. So, uh, yeah, we'll start. We'll, we'll start with Steve, and, and uh, we'll we'll work from there. I'm sorry. Yeah. No problem. I'm sorry, man. So there's a little history here with this box. So when we first started, um, there was a lot of prototyping, and people are using like large PVC pipes and boxes to put equipment in. But as the community grew, um, it attracted professionals to design enclosures for a living. So we had a guy, Richard, who came along, who's a, one of our core team members, and he actually designed and basically built this whole box, and part of it is made from 3D printed parts and other boards you just assemble together with a power supply and put all the equipment in. So it's really like the power of open source and building a community. We had someone volunteer and actually design this case out. Um, with all the instructions so people can put put it together and build it and deploy their yeah. tracker in that enclosure. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about what this – what this. Uh, there's many directions here I want to go. There's a lot to talk about, so let me uh, think <laughs> for a minute. So, hey, I'm going to so, let Steve take the lead on this, and then if anybody has any other questions for me, they can go to Adam. Okay. Um, I don't know if that means he's leaving the show or what. Uh, oh, no, I'm not leaving. I just don't want to keep talking over you guys. Okay, all right, all right. That sounded almost like, I'm getting the fuck out of here, man. I don't know, why would you drag me into this? Um, no. All right. So, okay, so I'm looking at the box here. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how, how you guys go from concept to, to making this happen. Now, how much would it cost? How much does it cost? Do you think to, for each for a person if they want to get one of these and put it in their backyard? Uh, you know, how much is how much is one of these boxes going to cost? So um, this is kind of a do-it-yourself effort, right? So we tried to right. keep cost in mind. So bare minimum for about three hundred bucks, you can oh, deploy a tracker, but. Um, that doesn't include that fancy case. So we're we're working through the pricing and details for that case right now. Um, yeah. There is one one case that has been built. Um, so we're kind of working out those details and prices for people to to make sure it's affordable. But we wanted to make sure that anybody could deploy this. So 
we we thought three hundred dollars was probably a reasonable amount for most people to be able to set this up and deploy it at their home. And of course, you know, people there's enthusiasts out there with lots of expendable income that are spending thousands of dollars on putting together their own tracker. Right. Now how okay, let's say we don't necessarily have to say this box, right? But uh mm-hmm. like how how big how much sky let's say I put one in my backyard. I mean I guess you have to see the backyard, right? But like how much sky can one person cover? Um that you I mean I guess you know, you really don't need like, you know, five people in every town or whatever, but I, I mean, that's, I guess that's what I'm asking you. Like, how much, how much sky can you cover? Because when I talked to Chris, I kind of likened this to, uh, like, I watched this show on Discovery ID where it's like uh, how they catch the criminal through security cameras, and it's always like one camera gets, you know, maybe like the front of the car, but not the license plate. But then another one gets the side of the guy's face, and they kind of can piece it all together. It's kind of like what the idea is in a way with this, right? Where it's kind of like you can get more information if you see one of these things go by. Then you can go to the other sensors and see where it might have gone next, right? Is that kind of where you're trying to pull off here? Yeah, exactly. So you can actually watch a lot of the sky, especially with a fisheye camera. So we're re- recommending to everybody to use a fisheye camera when they deploy their tracker. So you get a really good picture of the sky. It has a 180-degree uh, view of the sky. So if you put it in a high enough location, you're going to get a very good view of the sky in your area. <clears throat> and kind of the idea is hopefully in your city or your town, there's more than one of these things so we can basically get – pictures and video from different angles of the object in the sky. And that's that's very much the goal to have several trackers in every city across the whole country. Yeah, I yeah. have one set up here in Houston on top of a building near downtown and with that fisheye camera you can see, you know, twenty miles in every direction easily ah, from okay. that height. Um, and we, we, we had that camera out maybe for a week, and we started getting anomalous events on it. So those, those we put up on our YouTube site, yeah. Once we got this on the YouTube site, people started pouring in to work on this. How long, is this, how long have you guys been working on this project? Because it said you were going to launch like this summer. That's what it says on the main – I forget where it said, but it was like coming this summer or something. Yeah, so we've been we've been writing software and working out the platform since about February, and okay, yeah. um, we really started picking up the pace over the last couple of months. The community has grown so much, so we're hoping to get a release out um, for the general public this month that people can start deploying. We do have test nodes out there with testers and people ma- massaging out the bugs on in the current platform. But we're definitely getting there. We should have something out in a few weeks. Yeah, if anybody wants to come help test, jump into that chat.skyhub.org and let us know that you want to help us test. And we'll put you to work for sure. How many people oh, yeah. are – how many would you say – you got the one in Houston. How many – right now, how many are these – how many of these things are up and running right now, would you say? I assume you guys have kind of got a few out there uh, to, to, so you can work out all the bugs and stuff, right? So we're we've got we're kind of spread out. We've got I think two in Houston, and then we have I have a few deployed at my house. Um, we've got some in Virginia, um, 
we've got one in Austria, and we have a couple other developers and testers that have deployed units. And honestly, I'm not even sure where they're at. So yeah, we probably, probably have about close 10. to 10. Yeah. And part of the – see, this is kind of like – like I'm looking at this here. There's two – Components here. There's this. You got all these sensors, and it says tracker. So what is? It says tracker is responsible for monitoring the data feeds from the sensors. I guess. The, I guess. I, I, I'm not a scientist or anything, and I think like uh, I, 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 I don't know. Too, maybe if Cogswell's listening, but otherwise, I don't know if there's that many scientists in my audience. So I guess. What is this? What What do you? I guess it's like my question is: Is this like no, this isn't like akin to someone just pointing a video camera up at the sky? So, like, what is what information are you trying to collect uh, with with these sensors? With you know, with uh, yeah, with the sensors. With the with, with I like to call think of them as like little hubs with the little hubs that you want to have all over the place. So, what are you what are you trying to pick up with that? So it's it's interesting because if if we back up a little bit and and just consider what a UFO is. We don't actually know. So right. there's a lot of theories out there that there's these extremely sophisticated aircraft flying around our skies, and we have pretty good evidence for that, but we don't really know how they work. Um, we don't know what kind of technology they use. So the idea is the tracker is really an observational science effort. So we want to take advantage of all the advancement in, in technology and deploy sensors detect basically every environmental thing that we can. So we're looking at things like accelerometer, gyroscopes, uh, magnetic fields, barometric pressure, um, you know, temperature, humidity, and even things like yeah. RF detection and scanning um, and other environmental factors like that. And, you know, collecting them all from all over the world and aggregating them. So if Let's say a UFO somehow impacts the environment or emits a magnetic field or, like, impacts, like, pressure or temperature in its local area. We should be able to detect anomalies like that. Interesting. All right. So it's not – yeah, so it's not just like, oh, you are just got a camera pointed up and you're filming, which, like, like kind of like the analogy I use is really rudimentary. But, yeah, all right. That makes sense. Now, I don't mean to, like, hammer – the I don't mean to like hammer the price thing, but like how? But I see these stories like about the rover, you know, on Mars, and it's like it's outfitted with, like, I'm sure it's not outfitted with the same. Uh, it's got a higher grade <laughs> a magnet magnetometer on the on the Mars rover, I'm sure, than would be on the Skyhub thing. But like, how do you envision? Is that all within the three hundred dollars? Are you going to have all this sort of sensory uh, equipment? That 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 kind of stuff is that easy to uh, to get and, and integrate into a machine. It is relatively easy. So the base tracker right now, the three hundred dollar price point, really includes a camera and a GPS and the processing platform to to process your video data. So if yeah. if you want to add additional sensors, you can get all the sensors for for about a probably around one hundred and fifty dollars. And that gives you basically all the sensors we just talked about. Yeah. Um, and it, it's actually pretty sophisticated. So you can go pick up like a temperature sensor for like $8. And oh, you can go okay. pick up See, a magnetometer well, for like $12. So yeah. essentially we tried to pick really cost-effective cost effective platforms 
that is an easier, easy barrier for entry for developers and for consumers that just want to assemble this thing. And we have all yeah. of the stuff that we we've, we've got all the stuff listed on the wiki, um, which there's a link on skyhub.org in the resources tab for you to go to the wiki and you can read about each one of those sensors in detail. Oh uh, yeah, now I'm on one here. It's uh, yeah, skyhub.org/hardware.html has a bunch of stuff on uh, the different uh, analyzers and stuff. Yeah, all right. And so ostensibly, right? So someone gets the gets gets going with uh, with the tracker, and then they hook up to the system. You know, is that what is that the that's kind of like the other big part of this is the is the shared. What is, what is this machine learning? What, is that, what does this do? Is this like something that's going to synthesize all this information that's coming in? So, yeah. So, um, I can tackle this one. So, there's been a lot of advancements in computing over the last few years. And machine learning, you always hear machine learning and AI. So, NVIDIA has really made great strides with machine learning. They're building smaller platforms with custom chips that are good for video processing and um, basically running neural networks. So the idea was we can go buy a board for $100 from NVIDIA and we can run machine learning models and process video streams real time and actually detect objects real time in video streams. So that's essentially what we're doing. We're using uh, edge analytics, using machine learning on all these trackers across the globe to automatically detect objects real time and aggregate all this data into the Skyhub tracker cloud. And then everybody will get access to it is kind of the idea. Yeah, so right. the idea is that we can help aggregate this data and make it public for everybody. So all the data that is collected on the Skyhub network is licensed under a Creative Commons license. So we want to mm -hmm. make it free for public and academic use. Now, we, we do have a stipulation for not, uh, we, we don't allow non-commercial use, but we want to we want to don't, for we don't allow commercial No, you don't use. allow commercial use. Yeah, yeah, right. that's right. Sorry. Right. So we really want to push the public to be able to that's look why, at the That's data why you're the legal advisor, public. Adam. I'm glad we had you on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Already corrected me. <laughs> so the goal is really to make everything accessible. Um, and one of the reasons for this is, is you know, a lot of the mainstream science doesn't want to touch this topic. So right. our, really our goal is, is to aggregate this data and make it extremely accessible and affordable, free, for them to get a hold of and study and analyze and do research on. And how big – you say you have a big – like we talked about this community for a while. Like how – what is this like uh, a place where people are congregating online to I see join the chat um, and, and source code? Uh, that looks like some kind of group thing, but I don't know. But like, what is what? Where where is this community that you speak of? Yeah, the chat.skyhub.org. That's where um, we want to get people into that chat room. Um, and, and right now, I think we've got almost 500 people signed up for it. And really, no matter what time of day or night you go on there. Um, there's somebody on there talking about these trackers and how they're going to build it or, or, or how they're going to test it or what new uh, sensors they want to put on it. So it's a pretty live chat room. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm going – oh, Jesus. 
I just went into the chat now. That was that <laughs> doorbell sound. Okay. All right, well, see, there you go, folks. It's easy to sign up for the chat, so if you want to get in there uh, and check it out. So, okay, so how many – I'm just I'm trying to like I'm I'm trying to see this vision as it progresses, you know what I'm saying? So what's your what's your sort of next step here to you said you were releasing I didn't quite understand what you said you're gonna release something later this month. What is this release you're gonna have later in the month? So right now uh this the release this month will be our first stable release for the general public. So basically we'll have a software release ready to go that's stable for people to deploy onto the network. And that's, that's really what we're trying to do. So it'll be something a little more polished, uh, stable and mature that people can grab the software and get the hardware and deploy their tracker and start watching the skies with us. All right. So they can kind of get right in on it. Um, as soon as possible. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, you know, every morning when you wake up, you're going to have, you know, 10 or 12 different things that pop up on your your uh, user interface on your dashboard that you can flip through and see if anything strange happened. So it's kind yeah. of a fun thing to do. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It reminds me, like, kind of of the SETI at home idea. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all. It's kind of – We I think just they have talked some, to Chef like Shostak. Shostak. Yeah, about that. He's a, he's, I like Seth. I saw his article the other day. I thought it was actually pretty uh, realistic. I thought, uh, in regards to the New York Times thing, he was saying, uh, for people to know what I'm talking about, he was saying that it seems more likely that the, the some other country would be interested in our weapons than aliens. But, you know, that, 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 that could be a logical fallacy where you apply uh, human motivations to aliens. Who knows what the aliens want? Um, so... I guess here's sort of a philosophical question. We can kind of get back to sort of the practice of, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Skyhawk project in general. But uh, one of the sort of – it's funny. I, I like what you're doing. Um, it, it, it's funny that it's sort of come along now at this time when people are really pushing UFO disclosure um, and uh, – uh, it, 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 people could debate all day whether or not you know this is slowly unfolding right now. Some people think it is. Some people think it's just another uh, another long con that's going on, and we're all going to have you know the football pulled out from under us like uh, like uh, Charlie Brown. That's 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 neither here nor there. The point being is that for many many years, I've been in this for a long time. For many years, the plaintive wail of the UFO people was. That uh, we we don't need any more. We don't need. We ha- we have all the sightings information we need. We why do we need to collect any more cases? We know this is real. And and now now tell us the answer, government. Um, so I guess I guess why? What's your what's your counter to that sort of philosophical argument? Why do we need more information? I mean, I, I could answer for you. I you know, if somebody posed this question well, to me, I could come up with an answer. So it's I'm not you know I don't. <laughs> We, we I don't have a preconceived. What's that? Or we can't see the data. We can't see the data that the government collects, or or the stuff they've got uh, pouring through NORAD, and the stuff they collect in right. the you know in the atmosphere with the satellites. So you know we want to we want to build our own data. Yep. Okay. See, that's that that's a fair very good answer. That's a fair answer because I was going to say later on another sort of observation is uh, it's 
it's uh I can imagine it in a sense it's kind of maddening because one assumes that the government already has a way more sophisticated version of Skyhub, probably like satellites looking down on the planet that track all this stuff. So it's like here we you know, it this should go to show you folks the difference between the gov- what the government can do and what we can do is we have to start from scratch here and build our own network and everything while they have uh clearly they have like some kind of sophisticated satellite system watching over like the whole planet. So one would assume uh this is a David versus Goliath situation. But Steve, what do you what do you think of that idea? I guess you're kind of new to U- UFO world, so you may have not run into that idea, but it's uh you know, I've heard it for a long time where it's like MUFON has all these cases and I forget uh uh, I forget the guy's name there up in up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, but he's he runs the UFO hotline. So it's like, but there there are different kinds of UFO reports. They're not necessarily like you were saying that you take the people out of it. So I guess mm-hmm. what can we do with this information? Maybe that's a better way of phrasing it. What what do you envision us being able to do with the information that's collected from this stuff, other than say a, a, a UFO flew through here? So it's it's kind of interesting. Um, I'm actually kind of a skeptic, and I'm a skeptic of just about everything. I'm even skeptical about a lot of stuff in the UFO community. Um, So the issue with UFOs, right? So people say we have all this data. However, the scientific community is hardly involved in the research of UFOs. Right. And um, they're not involved because they're also skeptical, and they also acknowledge that there's a lack of physical, incredible evidence. Yes, we have sighting reports, and we've got photos. Um, a lot of our are blurry photos, and a lot of the times you really don't even know if the photo is real or not. Right, so right. you have all this anecdotal and circumstantial evidence, and like the MUFON reports are a perfect example. Something happened to these people. They saw something. Even the abduction reportings, something happened, but we don't actually know what happened so the idea is, is that we can get enough physical evidence, remove the human element, and it's really a plea to the scientific community and a, a resource for the public to say, okay, everybody, this is really happening. We have hard data. You can't ignore this. So it's, yeah. it's not something that can be easily dismissed like a personal experience can or a blurry photo on YouTube. So we're really hoping to collect high fidelity data um, with, you know, solid provenance. They know where the data came from. They know how it was collected, and there's no confusion on where it came from and what it is. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Now, believe me, I wasn't necessarily trying to make the case for that argument. Uh, it's just one that I've heard for a long time. Because to me, it's like, well, I, I'm of the opinion. I'm, I, I think that we should try and figure it out on our uh, on our own without relying on the government to tell us what, if anything, they know. Because I'd rather know for sh- I'd rather know on my own than know based on what they say. Because who the fuck knows if they're telling the truth or not? I mean, they've been lying all this time. Why wouldn't they keep lying? So, to me, it's like it's up. It's on the UFO community to solve this, not not to uh, break the break the case by way of the government. But that that's a again, that's a whole other kettle of fish. And we can maybe explore that later on in the program. But um inspired by what uh Adam was telling us. I keep wanting to call you Alan. Sorry Adam if I do it just uh, I apologize. It's, it's okay. You get the it's double Adam first Allen. name. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. 
Um, okay, so I, I don't want to catch you off guard, but I'm on, I'm on, and we'll have a link to this at the Banal America page. Folks can look it up on Skyhub on uh, YouTube. Uh, so I'm on your page here on YouTube. It's Skyhub captures a UAP that initially appears to be an airplane, Houston, Texas, on May 27, 2020. I don't know if you're able to see this or not, but can you kind of tell me what I'm looking at here? Because it looks, I'm lo- it looks like I'm looking at a globe. Um, That's the fish eye. I see you've circled the moon. Oh, okay, so this is now that you circled the moon, I kind of understand now. So this is what people would see uh, from their tracker. That's right. That's very cool. Um, we kind of helped out the viewers by, um, you know, marking what items are on that screen, what objects are on the screen. Um, it looks like there's a couple of aircraft. There's a helicopter at one point that goes by. So you've got lots of yeah. stuff to look at. Um, what what first? There's there's a sensor on that fisheye that is basically rated at .001 lux. Um, which means it can see a candle from I don't even know how many miles away. It's a super sensitive nighttime uh, CCD sensor. Um, and we can see aircraft at, you know, cruising altitude going across that camera's uh, lens all night long. And in those, yeah. in those videos that we posted, we see what just looks exactly like any other aircraft going, you know, 30,000 feet over our heads, and then it just stops. And it starts yeah. going another direction. So uh, we saw a couple of them that one night. And it it acts an awful lot like some of those other UAPs that people say, you know, they see up in the sky that move nonsensically, zigzagging around. So we went ahead and posted those. And hopefully we're going to get tons more of those kind of videos as we grow the network. Now, have you integrated – because my first thought looking at this at this at this video and I wouldn't call myself a skeptic but I guess you might say I'm like a critic so it's like I need to you know I I I as, as cliche as it sounds I want to believe I really do I want to believe but I have a hard time I have a hard time doing so very more often than not so have you overlapped your uh software or whatever you want to call it with uh, you know how there's like websites you can track all the flights in the in the world. That's also like, part of you... the tracker. Yep. What's that? I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because we actually support ADSB in our platform. So ADSB is the signal that planes broadcast with their position. So in your tracker, you can go buy a five dollar antenna and a twenty dollar uh, flight aware USB stick and plug it into the tracker. And we'll collect all the flight data from your area so we can roll out aircraft from from your video from your video camera essentially. Yeah. So that will help us roll out uh known aircraft. Yeah, I think that would be like a big addition to it because then way you know, because as soon as anyone sees it, they're like, that's just an airplane or that's a traffic helicopter or whatever, you know what I mean? And then it's like, Well, no, I can show you that there's nothing on the flight tracker for what this would be. So Right. We're also going to build in a uh a satellite tracker as well. So we're going to we're going to be able to weed out those those uh events. Now, would it be able to pick up like a I guess uh, how about like does it run in the daytime? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, all day 24/7. Right. 
And it, does it, would, would the screen look? It, it would look like this. It would look like this sort of. A inf, I don't know what you'd call it. X-ray or whatever, infrared or something. You're looking at you're looking at IR with that nighttime, but okay, during yeah. the day, it's in, it's in full color during the day. Um, oh, I see one. Yeah. Okay. The great thing about these cameras is is that when they're when they're doing edge uh, processing, they're not sending all that video into the cloud. They're just sending the video of the good stuff. So um, they're going to weed out the, the the helicopters and the, the aircraft that we know about. Um, yeah. And, and that's what that's what's so so great about this system we're putting together. We're going to save a lot of data. Yeah, I highly recommend folks go to the Skyhub YouTube page. This kind of caps encapsulates more of what, um, you know, th this this kind of can put puts puts a puts a picture on what their what their sensors are looking at. What I like is see you also have here insects causes streak from IR at night, uh, bird triggers. So you guys are I I like that you're not just like hey look at this this <laughs> I saw a video yesterday that was like some dude's thing filmed a bug on his. Uh, on his doorbell camera, and it, it did look like a fairy. It really did. I don't know what kind of bug it was, but it was it was it was a bug, folks. It wasn't a fucking fairy. Um, but but it was like it was on a bunch of websites. We did not do it at coast to coast, um, but it was on a bunch of websites, and and it was like that. That definitely looks like a fairy, man. Um, so I I like that you guys are rational enough to at least be like to show, you know that that this and it. What I'm seeing here is to show that the prosaic stuff gets picked up on here too, and what is good. Oh, I see this bird triggers motion detection. You can really see that it's a bird. That's good because some of these things, even some of these videos you see, sometimes they're birds. But I guess maybe more because of the angle that the person's filming it, you really it, it looks like something anomalous. So uh, I guess shooting it sort of the way that you guys are doing it is a uh, a lot better than being on the ground and, and, and shooting kind of like at, a, at an angle from the, the observer's point of view. And, and these cameras are really good, too. They're really yeah. clear. They're really clear. And, you know, that's kind of the benefit of trying to get multiple people in the same area to deploy cameras because something might look strange in one camera, but if yeah. someone gets another perspective, you'd be able to explain it a little bit better. You get different vantage points to kind of explain and analyze your video because sometimes you know ir will cause weird effects when it shines against objects at night so you, if if you go on the internet you're going to see all these pictures of orbs and like ufos floating around but really like yeah sometimes it's just ir backscatter um on the lens of the camera or the sensor of the camera so we try to minimize those kinds of false positives and yeah, so we absolutely if, don't have the yeah, IR on. We keep the IR yeah. off on the night on the night cameras. So you're not going to pick up the bugs zipping across the screen that looks like a UFO. It, you know, a huge UFO. It's actually just a, a regular house fly. Yeah. Now, what about drones? Is it, it that that would be? I feel like uh, that's sort of the go-to thing that everyone uses to explain. <laughs> Away. Yeah, we we have a guy. Now. We we have a drone guy now. Um, one of the 500 people that have joined this project, um, I think, is going to he's going to deploy some drones over some of these uh, cameras so that you know we'll have an absolute you know positive uh, result for what a for what a drone is. And I'm not sure if that's been started yet. 
but that's what we've been discussing in one of the chat rooms. Yep. Yeah, that would be good. There's a guy, uh, he's out in Italy. His name's um, Scott. I always get him confused with his nemesis, so I don't want to get uh, <laughs> Scott Brando. I always get him confused with Scott Waring, who is the UFO Sightings Daily guy. And they're like Tom and Jerry, these two. Um, but Scott Brando, I've encouraged him endlessly because he can look at these videos and he, can, he, he needs to make like a chart that can just show you what, they, what some of these are. Because he, almost any UFO video I find online, he, he can find some other instance of what really it was. Um, you know, like, oh, here's a, here's a known thing of a jet dropping flares and it matches this thing that happened over Kansas City. So, well, like, well what, to, what do you, he needs to you jump know. in the chat room. He needs to jump in the <laughs> chat room and tell us uh, when he can uh, sit down with us and go through his database because we'll feed it into ours. And, you know, obviously we're trying to build a database for the machine learning to take over. So we'll be more than happy to talk to him. Oh, yeah, he's got a good eye for these things. And like I said, he can, he'll, uh, he, he's, uh, you know, it's, I'd rather someone be like, hey, man, it's a balloon before I go through the trouble of writing up a thing about this weird UFO or whatever. Um, so, yeah, he does, he does really good work. So it's going to be open source. So what happens, I guess, okay, so somebody, let's say somebody films something anomalous, then what do you do? You, I guess, I guess there's sort of a network already of people. So, like, if I film one that went by my thing, then what, you'd want someone nearby to see? You really need a lot of coverage, though, right? I mean, you need relatively... Uh, you know, a few, not necessarily maybe even in every town, but you need something uh, a few dozen miles away or whatever. You need some overlap, right? Isn't that kind of part of the problem in a sense? So the overlap won't be Or the be challenge. Required. Let's say um, the challenge. It's not a problem. It's a challenge. It, it definitely is a challenge. So it, it definitely is better to have more trackers in one region than it is, you know, we we want to have multiple trackers get different positions. We understand, but we understand globe is pretty big, so it's not going to be the case where we're always going to get multiple trackers in the same spot. But, you know, we get the word out there, talking to people like you and kind of talking about Skyhub and getting people excited and involved. Um, the other thing is, it's it's not just about UFOs, right? So researchers are starting to get interested about meteors and weather yeah. patterns. And so we're starting to collaborate with other researchers and academics in other areas of science. That's good. Yeah. Well, it seems like more scientists are coming on board with this UFO stuff. So that's, uh, you know, we have, we can hope, we hope, we hope that's the case. We hope it continues. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. So like, it's so, so I'm kind of circle back, I guess, to the hub thing or the, uh, the tracker itself. So if somebody, wants to, then they go to your site and there's kind of like a step-by-step what they need to buy to, or how the instructions on how to make this thing. Cause you don't, you don't just, you don't, you don't have them available. Is that anything you envision? Cause like, look, dude, I'm fucking lazy. I'm not gonna. <laughs> okay. I would love to have one of these sensors in my backyard, but I'm, I'm just, you know, the, 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 uh, the, I don't have the wherewithal to make the leap from wanting one in my backyard to building one. So how do you how do you face that challenge? Are you going to eventually have these for sale? So we've actually talked about this. We've talked about um, you know next year potentially next year, looking at doing something like an Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaign, 
where we take our finished platform and we take it to a hardware manufacturer and have them mass produce a certain number of these so people can just purchase it and get a box and plug it into their internet and plug it into power and they'll be running. So we we have talked about it and we do plan on looking into providing a completely finished and built unit for people that aren't interested in the, you know, assembling the tracker themselves. Because we understand people people don't want to bother with putting together computers or setting up cameras. They just want a box they can plug in. Hey, right, and, right. If, and if there's any of your listeners that have a passion for building stuff, tell them to come on into the chat and, and uh, we'll, we'll put them to work. Right. I guess ostensibly that's well, you're the legal man, Adam. Is that something that would be allowed? Let's let's say I was the opposite of what I am. Let's say I was ambitious, um, and then I was like, "Well, shit! I just made one of these like in an afternoon. Why don't I make like 50 of them over the course of a month and then sell them for I don't know 500 dollars or whatever? You know, that, I guess that's where it gets tricky. Is that is that allowed? Is, or would you guys be like, "Hey, Benal, cut the shit, quit." Quit selling our – is this like a TiVo box, you know, where there's, there's intellectual property in a sense of, of that kind of thing. I'm kind of just thinking of all the different angles here with this. I hope that's all right. <laughs> so so technically, um, that's okay, right? So when when I started writing the software, um, I, I released everything under the MIT license. If someone wanted to come take our software and commercialize it, they can commercialize it. Yeah. So they could actually go build boxes and sell them to consumers. And you know what? In my mind, that's actually a huge win. Um, if yeah, someone exactly, wants to go yeah. commercialize our box and help build our network, um, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Well, it would be good. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. It's just kind of like I was just imagining this scenario where someone sets up like a third party store. But it's like, hey, if people want them, that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's much? the idea. This, what we did is we created a nonprofit, and we, you know we're, we we don't ever plan to make a penny on this. We just want to gr- uh, build, grab and build the database. That's it. Yeah. And what do you do? You inv- I was going to say, what if UFO disclosure happens? Are you just going to shut the shut the shut everything down? Shut everything down? Are you be like, it's well, not, all right, well, we don't need to ramp it up. If no, I know. If that's find out they're real, then we've got more science to do for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then it's kind of like if somebody shot a Bigfoot, then there'd be tons of people out looking for a Bigfoot. So it would stand to reason people would now that now that they were real officially, that people would have to, uh, you know, people would want to want to catch one of their own like a Pokemon. Now, so you're. <laughs> You suggested that uh, Steve. You said you were kind of skeptical, and uh, yeah. Adam, you're you've been in the field. You've been a, a UFO enthusiast for I thought you said like twelve years or something. Maybe maybe I misheard. It's been but since two thousand eight. Right? Yeah, yeah, since two thousand eight. So, well, who? I, I don't know necessarily if you kind of like talked about this, but like where? How did this even come up amongst you guys to do this? Uh, I may have somehow missed that uh, as I was sort of settling into the show, but I don't recall. So, like, how, who, did, did, 
did uh you know Corey call you Steve and say hey let's do this or or uh you know uh what 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 was sort of the seed for this this whole venture so the idea came up so um there was an individual Joel McGuire I'm sorry Joel Dodd and Bob McGuire who I was working with at UAPTN and it had a similar idea and the idea was to essentially point cameras up to up at the sky. And at that point, yeah. it was just an idea, and we started building it out into a platform. Since then, it's really it's really transitioned a lot, but the, the idea was all these people are standing out there taking videos of UFOs with their cell phones, and yeah. they're using terrible cameras, and we're getting all these shaky videos. So the idea was, what if we just put a box with a fixed camera that watched the sky and tracked objects that passed instead of using low quality cameras and phones and, you know, actually use a good camera to collect this. And that's really how the idea started. We wanted high fidelity video of UFOs that couldn't be confused with other natural, you know, objects. Yeah. Well, that's what we all want. Yeah. And the idea has really grown from there. I mean, there's been a lot of people in the community that has contributed to the project and helped grow and add ideas and capabilities. So it's it's been really great. We've grown a lot since since February. We need these yeah, people I to put the, the boxes out, though, right? Oh, yeah. Um, as soon as we get our <laughs> final release out, we definitely need to get people deploying boxes. We'd like to get... You know, dozens every week deployed. See, that would be pretty awesome. I think, uh, you know, it would be. I'd be interested in seeing sort of that bank robber scenario that I was saying before, where it's like, all right, Adam catches one on his. Well, Adam, you said you have two cameras in Houston. Did one? Was there a? De- did you look on the on the other one from the uh, oh, no, from the yeah, one that had the UFO from YouTube? No, the cameras I had up, they were they were one after another because we were testing different types of cameras. Oh, okay. So it was just a fisheye at the time. All right, so you didn't have them like in different locations, so you could kind of like cross cross reference. No, it was a crazy. It was a, it was an electrical storm that night, and uh, oh, the camera is up on yeah, this camera's up you know 110 feet, 120 feet off the ground, and uh, you know there's a raging electrical storm going on, so. You know, I've heard people say that might be a drone, and hey, if it is, it's the coolest drone I've ever seen because it doesn't move, like, even a pixel when it stops. Um, So, yeah, we didn't have another camera on it at the time. Um, Do you have – you've been in this for a long time, uh, Adam. You've you've been a a fan of of the phenomenon, if you will. So do you have a theory, an opinion on what this all is? I have no real solid theory. The more you look at this stuff, the more your theory changes. <laughs> it seems like I kind of circle through the, you know, all the major. Is it is it a is it a hidden group of folks that have some technology? Uh, you know, is it a natural phenomenon? It just depends how how you know. It, for me, it depends on what month it is. That's what my new theory is. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't think I've heard the. I guess you could call. It, I guess it, yeah, the breakaway civilization sort of idea, or like yeah, secret, <laughs> secret technology. That's a new one for me. Yeah, if, uh, yeah. Yeah, if, if if they've got that stuff, they've been hiding it pretty good. 
I do like the idea of like uh, some people think that there are like creatures, like the UFOs might be creatures somehow, which I find kind of exciting in a way. Like they're not necessarily aliens; they're just somehow, you know, creatures that live in the fucking sky that we don't know that we don't know about. They live high, you know, they can live higher than the higher than birds or whatever. Maybe they come down and. <laughs> land somewhere i don't know but to me that's always kind of been a fascinating like idea of like well why why couldn't they be you know who knows well that's that's why we're doing this i mean there's 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 uh people seeing stuff all the time and uh you know if you look at like mufon's database or new forks database i mean you've got you know, 20 sightings every single day that are reported let alone what actually take place and right. uh, I mean, the things that people are seeing—they're seeing something. Um, and I'm, I, it can always be Venus or, or the Moon in some situations, but there's some things that people see um, that are just too crazy to be a star or an airplane. Um, these things yeah. that move—they can sit still, hover, take off, 90-degree turns without slowing down. I mean, these things can move like those Tic Tacs we're moving, like we've heard about. Um, if we've got thousands of people with these cameras set up 24 hours a day, these smart sensors that know what they're looking at and they're sending just the good data to us, I think it'll be like somebody, I think somebody analogized it to the first time people looked into a microscope. They immediately started seeing all these little critters crawling around. I think when we've got a really good network set up and a lot of people deployed, we're going to start seeing stuff like right away. And, you know, who knows what they are? And without the data, we're not going to be able to find that out. Yeah, well, it's exciting in a way because most, because of my job, I see a lot of UFO videos. So I look at a lot of them. And um, mo- as I said, my friend there, Scott Brando, he usually can tell me what they are before I get too excited. Um, sometimes they're they're odd enough that I, I kind of just roll them out anyway because they're like, this is a different, this is a, a, a rather unique UFO video, even if it's just a plane, you know, flying behind a volcano and getting obscured by the way, it still looks like a ball flying into a volcano. So let's let's uh, showcase this weird this weird sight. Um, but what what I like about what you guys are doing is that it's uh, that your average UFO witness who films something, it's all sort of happenstance, and they just have to be in the right place at the right time. With this, uh, the cameras are going to be there all the time and they just need they just you know they just I guess they just need the right time to happen they just need something to happen so to speak right they're always they're always watching and the other yeah. interesting thing is is we can we can deploy trackers out uh with experiencers people that are having like frequent UFO experiences you know come hit us up we'll get you a tracker and get you set up um, and we'll deploy a tracker on your property where you're having all these UFO sightings. You know, you have these places like Skinwalker Ranch and other people that are having this, you know, periodic UFO events happen. We can we can definitely yeah. throw them out there and see if there's anything to it. Yeah, well, it's yeah, with the way things uh, with with the way the phenomenon is, they, they it, with 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 
everyone's luck, the thing would disappear, and then they'd be like, "What the hell, man? You made a, you made the UFOs disappear." Once I tried to record them, what the what the hell? Get this thing, get this thing out of here. That's kind of the flummoxing nature of. Uh, well, even even that would be a data point. Even that yeah, would be a for data sure. point. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, now, Steve, you said you kind of just got into this. Have you? Uh, I always sort of find it fascinating people who sort of just get into this. Um, have, like, what's your what's your impression of UFO world since you've entered into this this bizarre uh, community? It's it's probably such an unpopular thing, but uh, I think there's a lot of really terrible things in ufology. Um, I. I think there's some good things, but there's some bad things. I, I think people get wrapped up in a desire to believe, and they will almost believe yeah. anything without evidence. Um, I do think we have compelling evidence, especially the Nimitz incident with the Tic Tac. But yeah. um, when you get into ufology, there's all this mythology and mysticism intertwined with ufology, and um, I find that hard to swallow. So – I think there's a lot of really bad ideas in ufology that kind of hurt the community and in the yeah. sense that um, if you're a credible scientist or a professional, it's really hard to get into ufology and get involved in the community and deal with all these theories and ideas that really aren't based on science. So what, what the community is really lacking is good processes and methodologies for, for vetting data and vetting evidence. So there's – I, I've run into things in the UFO community I just kind of kind of sigh at. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't help. But, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of ideas out there, and I'm not saying any of those ideas are wrong. I'm just saying we need good processes and methods for determining that they're right. Yeah. Well, what you guys are doing is important. Uh, I talked about this with Chris on the show a few weeks ago uh, because I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. Steve, um, and I'm agreeing with you, and it's it's part of the thing is like now, and I may ruffle some feathers here, uh, it's not meant as a pejorative or whatever, but it's like now, there's a lot of, everyone's so foc- hyper-focused on uh, the machinations of, of this unfolding government, Pentagon, all that stuff, that it's like, uh, whether or not the thing in the... In the in those videos is is alien because that's what everyone really wants. Um, it it's the the field, if you will, has transformed into almost like a. It's more like just following the bureaucracy of of this UFO thing, and it's really way far away from from what you guys are trying to film with the Skyhub project. So that's why I, I commend you guys for doing that. Because you almost, like I said before, there's a sort of a, a predisposition right now in UFO world where it's like, we've proven UFOs are real. Now, now tell us how the book ends. When it's like, no, we haven't proven they're real yet. So, like, we can't, we can't show up and, and you know, they just they're not taking us seriously. And part of that too is kind of what you mentioned before about it's hard to take the field seriously when they're. It's kind of a lot of really kooky characters and shit, and often the kooky characters are like the loudest ones in the room, and it's like, who the fuck wants to get – who wants to, well, here's, you know – Who wants to co-author a paper happened? with fucking 
you know, a guy on Twitter's name is like, you know, the ass on Mars five two three. It's like, <laughs> look it, you know, call, yeah, look, give me a break. What 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 happens is you'll wind up if we have enough of these things deployed, um, you could wind up with people like with three three guys that are out somewhere and they see something, um, something that you know like like they see these craft bouncing around in the sky, um, they see it they they can report it to you know just about any of these sighting reporting places. Um, we've got a guy starting one called Sighting Dot World uh, that we've been working with. Um, so you've got this group of guys that report it, and let's just say we've got these trackers right there in the same spot, and nothing shows up. Um, you know, then you start to get some more data on this stuff. Maybe it is, you know, conscious based. Um, I've heard that theory floated. So um, we just can't go wrong with these trackers. <laughs> we gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? I was thinking more about the challenge of implementing the the whole idea. And it's like you guys should and maybe you come up with this kind of stuff, but it's like you should be maybe like try and try and somehow get get into like communication with science teachers. Uh, I feel like, you know, whether it's astronomy departments at universities or even just high school science departments, uh, you know, where where, cause the, you know, they can build one of these things and stick it up on the roof. I feel like that's something they could – you could sell to them as some kind of project, a learning opportunity, blah, blah, blah. So, so. – and, and that's that's a great point. This is a really good STEM project, so – you know, it, it gives you the opportunity to actually assemble an enclosure, put together sensors on a small embedded board, and actually put together something that it's actually taking, you know, environmental readings, and you can understand kind of how observational science works. So, as far as a STEM project for kids, it's actually a really great project, and it's fun because yeah, you get yeah. to watch great videos and kind of see the fruits of your labor. Yeah, it would be, you know, if I was in high school still or whatever, I'd be I'd be all about like uh building a UFO detector. See, that would be like you get kids engaged that way. That would be cool. You know, and then they're part of the network and they can see what comes up. So, yeah. I don't know how you'd go about like reaching See, then that that raises an issue too of uh and this isn't this is a, the plague of all UFO research where it's like you you don't have the wherewithal, the means right now to like send out ten thousand pamphlets to every science department. <laughs> not like, not like many of them will be even in the schools in a few weeks anyway. But uh, you know, there's there's a, a financial challenge to all this. So you got you have a Patreon or something like that. Uh, we yes, do have we a do. Patreon, but yeah, we it, come jump into our Patreon, Patreon slash you know. Skyhub, or Patreon.com slash Skyhub. Yeah. Have you received so, any like ma- any funding from? Uh, I j- I think I joked with Steve before the show. Like uh, I asked, <laughs> I asked if Bob Bigelow was throwing him any money yet, and he said no. But maybe who knows, Bob Bigelow, if you're listening, maybe it's a good idea to. You got plenty of money to put towards UFOs. This would be a good project. Um, but has any? Has, have you guys gotten any? You don't have to tell me like oh. Uh, you know, Macy's stepped up and gave us a million dollars, but like, <laughs> do you have anyone? Do you have anyone like funding this in any in any way that that uh, that's helping out? So we do have 
um, I think close to 20 Patreon supporters and we've had great members of the community like Bob McGuire that have donate, donated equipment and Patreon funds. Uh, so they've actually do, donated equipment for testing and evaluation and um, but mostly it's community members that are supporting this. We don't have any big, rich millionaires or billionaires uh, bankrolling our operation. So it's basically we're putting in our time and our money to make this a reality. Yeah, yeah we have experts from, from quite a few different fields. So, um, you know, really no matter what field you work in, there is something yeah. you can do to help the project. Yeah, even if and if people want you know, to, they they go in and join this, join the chat, right? What's uh, yeah? Jump in What's the, the chat. Source There's code a place in there for you to say. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Source code guy. Well, yeah. What's the source code? Is that like a forum? So we actually host all of our source code on GitLab. A majority of our yeah. code is written in GoLang and JavaScript. So we're using Vue.js and GoLang for for a majority of our platform. So if you're a Go developer, or a JavaScript developer, come hit us up. And you can uh, get started. I didn't understand like any of those things you just said, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. So okay, the so the code, code is the no, I, I, I know. I'm being yeah, I'm being facetious, but <laughs> okay. yeah, the code. Yeah, I'm looking in here. So all this shit is like, if someone's into this stuff, they'd know they'd know what Proto Tracker Node is, and they'd uh, you know that, that that's all part of the system, and they can they can tweak it or suggest changes or help develop it further. Right? Is that kind of the thing? Yep, and come sim, submit new code and add new features and even work on the hardware aspects. So, you know, even if you're a web web developer or, like, doing promotion or advertising, come hit us up. We need help everywhere. So if you like writing newsletters, you can come be our newsletter guy or girl. Absolutely, yeah. Well, there's plenty of opportunity. What do you – uh, and I don't – you know, I'm not, we're not talking – we're not telling stories out of school here, so it's not like uh, – uh, no one's better than anybody else, folks. Uh, but what do you, what do you? I preface all that now because uh, why, why, what do you guys make of? You're not the only people to show up recently and and start a company with, uh, you know, it, with, with riding the wave of this UFO renaissance, if you will, that's going on. Um, I think there's that UAP expeditions. I don't even know what they're doing. I don't know what they do. And there's another one. I don't, I don't know the name of it, but they profiled it in Vice. Um, along with you guys, uh, so I guess. Are you talking you, about Hypergiant? That's who I'm talking about. There you go. Um, so what? I guess what do you make of this this weird sort of gold? That I don't want to call it a gold rush. Like people, like I don't know about the other groups. So, but uh, I don't want to call it a gold rush. I guess a gold rush for for information, sure. So I guess what do you make of this gold rush for information? That, that sort of sprung up where these groups all of a sudden have all kind of come along in the last couple of years. Well, I think ours is the only one that's not proprietary. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're the only ones who are just totally open source and totally licensed to the public. Yeah. Yep. So I, you are know, they all, I think I don't know the other ones very well. And like I said, I don't want to really get too deep into this because you're not here to talk about their companies, but is it all sort of the same thing? Like let's try and get good UFO evidence. So well, Steve, I'm, Steve is putting together the, go ahead. Machine learning. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really, I'm not really sure the core goal. I know the UAPX guys are, are looking to go out and do research, right? So yeah, they're primarily a research outfit. 
and they want answers just like we do. Um, I don't have much insight into Hypergiant. Um, I've read some some of the articles, but um, Hypergiant and Ben Lamb can definitely speak more intelligently about yeah. that. But I, I think really fundamentally what it comes down to is that we the UFO videos released by the Navy um, are very compelling. And the things that we're getting out of the government, like the Senate Intelligence Committee just set up a UAP task force and reporting procedures for UAP sightings within the intelligence community. So we're kind of hitting a moment where the government's actually taking UFOs serious and the community's taking it serious and there's real professionals and very driven people out there that want answers and real data. So I think you're just seeing the results of kind of the efforts of, you know, give some credit to Chris Mellon and TTSA and Lou Elizondo. Um, They kind of started, they kind of started, I don't know, a movement and you're seeing the result of that. Like there's a lot of momentum and more and more people are getting involved and looking for real hard data. Yeah. Well, it seems that way. Like I said, it's a, it's a gold rush for information. Um, You know, it's uh, people, there's certainly a, a lot of interest. And I think maybe it is kind of in response to sort of that maddening aspect I mentioned earlier, where it's like, well, the government has all these means of tracking this shit, and they're not telling us what they get, so we're going to have to do it ourselves. Um, you know, and that's what you guys are trying to do, which is good, you know, because I, as, a, as, a publisher, as a publisher of exciting UFO videos, uh, I'm a fan of any place that's trying to get more better UFO videos. So that, that's uh, – I appreciate that. Uh, what do you – have you – based on what you've seen in these – because I guess in a sense you guys are – well, you're far more qualified than me. We'll start with that. Uh, to, to look at these, at these government videos that you're talking about, because uh, you've seen a whole bunch of these Skyhub videos. So is, is what you're seeing in those government videos really that uh, unique I guess you could say, because to me, it's like it's a, it's just a thing, you know. I mean, I've seen it a million times now, so I'm <laughs> as, as just about everybody in the field. But, uh, but you guys have seen a shitload of IR videos, so maybe you, you can speak to, yeah, this is this is extraordinary, or or now nah, this could this, you know, this is interesting, but you know, we need better video or whatever. Well, we always need better video, but you know what I'm saying. So, what's your what's your take on the videos? So. My take personally, um, I think they're compelling, right? But I don't think they're conclusive. So I know with the videos that there's been rumors that there was radar data and other uh, radio optical data that was available, um, but it's not public, right? So right. when you're looking at these kind of anomalous things, um, you really need a comprehensive data set, kind of like what Skyhub produces. But well, like, well, it's very unlikely that we'll ever see the radar data and radar returns from from those videos. So, to me, the video is not conclusive. I just think it's compelling evidence. I don't think we can yeah. conclude anything from it. But Adam might have a a slightly different perspective. Yeah, Adam's put a decade into this shit. He's probably a little. <laughs> probably. Yeah, he's, he's, probably... he's definitely more versed. <laughs> what, was, yeah. what was the question he's... again? 
he's ready to believe. What do you what do you make of these videos the government has in comparison to the many uh, IR videos that you, as part of Skyhub, have studied? Because as I said, I think you clearly odd. have. You, okay. I think they're, they're strange odd. videos. I've heard people try to debunk them. Um, I, I, I don't buy that that they're seagulls. Uh, I, I, I don't buy that the rotation on the gimbal ship was an artifact of the camera gimbling. Um, I, I think they're strange. And, yeah. you know, the fact that they're from the Navy you know, gives me a little more assuredness that they are strange when the, when the Navy said that they are uh, unknowns. So, yeah, that's another yeah. thing to consider. You literally have thousands of people in a naval battle group um, with intelligence professionals and radar operators that have looked at these videos, and no one knows what they are. And that being right. something. Yeah, well, that's why they've caused so much excitement, right? Because the government's like mm-hmm. – the government says they don't know what they are. So um, now this is sort of off the beaten path, but it, it sort of is covering – the subject in general, um, one of the things that kind of drives me up the wall uh, over the last couple of years is, um, and we saw it again like a couple of weeks ago with this New York Times article, uh, is that is that every time this happens, that there's a new revelation in the story, um, it's happened like six or seven times now in the last, since that original New York Times article came out in December 2017. Um, because of the tumultuous nature of our present world, many people, um, they, they don't care. They don't, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't resonating, uh, or, or it hits for a couple of days and then it, then it goes away. I mean, we're living through a global pandemic, so it's kind of understandable that the idea of aliens coming to visit is like, that's a pretty cool fanciful escape for a couple of days. And then we got to get back to, you know, burying grandma. So the, I guess the, the, I guess the whole overarching observational question here is what do you – so what do you make of this almost inability of to, – to sort of make a, to make a long-standing impact here? Like people – because the, the thing I get frustrated about is the joke. Everyone makes the same fucking joke on Twitter every time, and they get like a million likes, and I'm like, I hate, I hate you. Because they're like, oh, the government just said UFOs are real and no one cares. That's so 2020. And it's like, you said that three months ago. So it's like this cycle keeps repeating where, uh, you know, there's some kind of revelation. And then people get kind of ginned up. And then they, they just it falls out of, out of the attention span after a couple of days. So, uh, Adam, we'll start with you since I've leaned on Steve so much. And, and you've been uh, following the UFO phenomenon for uh like I said, about 12 years or so. So what, what do you make of that? Um, what was the question again? Oh, boy. <laughs> about, about, uh, it, say that one more time. I have a baby crying here while you're, while you're asking. All I'm right. Sorry. You're, you're going to have a 41-year-old man crying soon. You keep this up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make every time there's a big revelation? I'm going to give you the short version. Every time there's a big revelation, people on social media and the media, they get excited for like, a couple of days, and then it goes away, and they all make the same joke that the government's telling everybody that UFOs are real, but yeah. who cares because uh, it's 2020. How 2020? Ha-ha, murder hornets and everything else. 
So uh, I guess what 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 what's your take on that? The fact that this well, that whatever's happening yeah, here. Yeah, I hear subject, what you're asking. We're not turning um, over. We're not getting. We're not crossing. We're not crossing over into some new territory. It seems like we're just repeating yeah, the same thing over and over again. I feel like you could see it that way, but um, I think we've gotten to a new position from uh, where we've been before. So we have you know folks at the SCU. And Steve's a member of SCU, um, and he can tell you about who they are. But, I mean, it's a group of of scientists that have moved beyond the question of whether these things are happening. And they're moving into the direction of figuring out how they move, what what they might be made of, what the material science is. Um, So while, you know, somebody somebody from the outside, it may seem like, it's just uh, bouncing back and forth to are they real and who cares? You know, there's a whole level of these scientists that are that are taking it seriously, and that's who yeah. we hope to serve. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. All right, Steve. What do you think of that long-winded question of mine? So it's interesting because, um, and specifically about the Times article and this this constant trend of. Oh, this amazing UFO thing was reported, and the government said UFOs are real. I mean, the articles really don't say that, right? Everybody's right, right. Kind of making these clickbaity headlines for news articles. They are reporting factual information, but people are kind of twisting and and kind of trying to hype up some of the articles. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah I think yeah. I think in some regard it, it gets kind of old, right? Because people read an article and they grab the title and they're like, oh man, the government just said we, we recovered crashed UFO spaceships. It's like, well, that's not what they said, <laughs> but that's everything <laughs> that everybody wants to talk about. And right. then everybody's walking around thinking like, okay, we, we recovered a crash UFO. Like ET showed up, crashed their, crashed their car and now we got it. But, uh, it kind of, it's, it kind of gets interesting. That's like we live in an age where, you know, we put out a lot of false information all over the place, and people don't really focus on on what's actually true. Right. We get well, stuck yeah, in the echo def- chamber of information. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially uh, on social media. Yeah, it's a very interesting. I uh, made this observation to somebody off the air uh, in recent weeks, but. Really noticed it with this Times recent Times article too. It's uh, you know, and I'm sure people again. Like I don't know if you, I don't think people in UFO world even pay attention to me anymore, so it's fine. But uh, but I think I I am an observer. I'm not a part of the community. So um, this time around, I got sort of this distinct impression that there's like almost this kind of like disclosure fatigue. Like, people are tired, and I, I want to – there's got to be a better way to say this, so I won't say it that way. People are tired of being teased. They're tired of, of, of this slow drip. There was somebody who wrote about the article, a mainstream writer, and they were like, just show us the aliens already. Like, this is getting – it's getting a little tedious. <laughs> like, like every, yeah. every time there's this little thing, there's this little thing, it's like, okay, how much, do you, how much longer do you need to prime the pump? Like, are you going to show us the fucking aliens or not? Yeah, I so think it's, it's important. It's, to, it's important to, to remember that we've 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 gotten those three videos from the Navy, 
and we've right. gotten a statement from the Navy that says, yes, these are actually authentic naval videos, and these are unknowns. Um, you know, we don't have to go back into the past anymore and thumb through sighting reports of incredible things doing, you know, you know, amazing maneuvers. We, we've got a basement that we can start from where we say we definitely have some unknowns. Uh, where do we go from here? What do you think of that, Steve? What I was saying about the disclosure fatigue. I, I, I got what you're saying, Adam. I, uh, Steve wanted yeah. to say something. I could tell. Yeah. So I, I don't even know what disclosure actually means. So, I actually, it is my opinion. Well, it varies the government person to person. So yeah. Yeah, and in my in my opinion, the government probably doesn't have a lot to disclose. I think they are probably just as confused as we are. I think they probably have a better body of evidence to actually support that something truly strange is going on, but I don't think they have answers like people are expecting. I, I think they're aware that the UAP phenomenon is real. They just don't know what it is. Yeah, that's kind of my inclination too. And uh, Rich Dolan sort of offered that up as a possibility where he said, what if, what if we, the other day on Twitter, where he said, you know, what if we, what if this is it? Like, what if, what if that's it? They're like, here, we have these videos. We don't know what they are. And, you know, good luck. We'll send you, we're going to have a report in a few months about more shit we know, you know, more shit we saw we can't explain. It's like, well, if we hit a wall on this, again, we're going to need a project like Skyhub to do, to do the work uh, to, to collect the information. So it'll be interesting. Yep. I'm excited to see where the community leads us. Yeah, as far as disclosure goes, I always kind of like – I guess in my mind, it's not like, oh, UFOs are real. It's like they, uh, to me, disclosure is like here's – I want to know what they are. That's that to me is like disclosure, and it's like the government may, like you kind of said, the government may not even be able to pull off the kind of disclosure that people like me want to see. You know, saying UFOs are real is just to me, it's like, yeah, of course, fucking UFOs are real. Like they're just on un, they're unidentified <laughs> flying objects. They're some of them are some of them are normal shit, and some of them we don't know what they are. But but the fact that they're like a question mark. It's like of course they're real. Uh, but but what they are is the real question. So I get kind of irritated when I see those articles, like we were talking about the clickbaity headlines that are like, the government just said UFOs are real. It's like, so is the fucking wind. So are clouds. Like, you know, we need to know what they are. We need to know why they're in the fucking sky. We need to know what they're doing up there. And hopefully they're creatures, because I would like that. But, you know. I, I think it's probably it's probably more likely that it's a lot of different things. I don't think it's going to be just one thing. Right. That's that's kind of been a theory that I've floated out there. and Well, a lot of great people have. Uh, Brad Stoger used to have, like, a list of, like, 25 things that UFOs could be. And it's probably, like, all of the above. I, I, I've likened <laughs> them to, like, clouds, you know. It's like there's all different kinds of clouds. They're all – but each one sort of has a different story to it as far as, like, how it got formed and everything else. So it's probably – probably more along those lines. Um, yeah, we're excited to see what the data shows, for sure. Now, would you be... What would you... I guess... I mean, I think you would continue onward no matter what, but let's say 
in the next year or two it comes out that that they figured out that, that they figure out what those things in the in the fantastic videos were. Let's say they're like, oh, it turns out these were Chinese spy drones or these were American spy drones we couldn't tell you about uh, until this new war we're at with China started and we started using them and busted them out. So I guess, like, I get, would you, what, what would your reaction be to that? Because I feel like I've tried to maintain a level of caution with a lot of this because there is a part of me that I, I've seen the UFO community screwed over so many times that it's like, oh, shit, what if... They're building up these UFOs maybe to pull the rug out from under us and be like, oh, turns out that UFOs are solved. We figured it out. Go go away now. Stop. Stop with all this silly alien stuff. So I guess what would your reaction be if the government, if, if, the, if the videos were solved? And I don't mean like, and I like Mick West. He does great work. I don't mean like by, um, by a critic. I mean like the government came out and was like, yeah, we, we figured it out. And it's not alien. Yeah, I think at that point we're um – you know, first of all, that would be great to know what those particular videos showed. Um, but there, there's a, like a whole multitude of different types of things people see. So we're going to have yeah. these cameras looking up, and we're going to have these sensors doing their thing. And, you know, basically, it's like Steve said, it's an observational science platform. So yeah. we hope to be able to answer all kinds of questions when we get these things deployed. And those questions don't necessarily have to be about UFOs or UAPs. I mean, there's researchers and academics all over the place that all they really want is data to study, right? So they want really yeah. good data. And data is always not cheap to get. So if we can help subsidize collecting observational data about lots of different things in the environment and help academics and basically push science forward and lots of different areas. I think Skyhub Sky always has a place, even if they were to say that all UFOs are just Chinese drones. <laughs> there are some, yeah. there are a lot of people interested in doing science on, on drone flight patterns and how many people are flying them and when they're flying them. We might wind up having the largest database of drones data in, in the world. It's entirely possible. Yeah. I right. think, yeah, it, the dr- the drone is like the double-edged sword of UFO world because uh, it's, uh, it's it's such an easy – it's like the swamp gas thing. Like, people can use it really easily to explain away, like, anything. Because I don't know. Oh, sure. I, yeah, and I, I, uh, it's good you guys have, like, a drone guy because it's like most people really don't know anything about drones. So, so it's like it's like if someone's like, oh, that's a drone, and you'd be like, oh, okay. But it turns out, you know, maybe a drone can't fly that high, or maybe a drone can't do the things that this thing in the video did, or whatever. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. unless you're a drone expert, sometimes you can be fooled into just going, oh, okay, it's probably a drone. Forget about it. Now I see. I'm looking at the box again. I see there's two things on the box. What what are I, I presume the round globe-looking thing is the, is the sensor. That's the one that's picking up, let's say, the YouTube videos. What's the little thing next to it on the on the box? So the big uh, the big one you see on the top that is actually a pan tilt and zoom camera, and that's um, that we're actually planning that for the next version. Um, but the little flat 
um, camera you see with the dome on top. That's a fisheye camera that looks straight up and sees a 180-degree view of the sky. The big camera that looks like it swivels around. So the plan is, is once your fisheye detects something moving in the sky, that pan, tilt, and zoom camera will actually track the object and follow it across the sky and zoom in on it so we can get a clear ah. picture of it. So nice. In the next version, we'll start working on um, actually tracking objects across the sky with the pan, tilt, and zoom camera. All right. And this is what where we're, our, and we're, we're hoping to get really great videos and pictures out of that camera because we'll be able to zoom in. You know, uh, for instance, I have a camera that zooms 25x, but we'll be able to pick up cameras that can zoom about 40 to 60x. So we mm-hmm. should get very good quality pictures out of that. All right, so I'm, I want to see. I'm looking forward to seeing these pictures uh, when they come out. Now I see, I, it's kind of a silly question, but so you, it says a worldwide public search for UAP. So you're kind of leaning into the UA, the name change uh, that a lot of people are as well. But you also use UFO, so it's not like uh, you're not entirely averse to uh, to the UFO term, right? Yeah, those are synonyms, right? As far as I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I know, but some people are like, "Oh, geez, you know how it is." Some people are like, "Oh, <laughs> don't, don't call them aliens or whatever." It's like, don't, don't say UFO. It's silly. I like flying saucer. I'm an old school Friedman fan, so you know, I'd like to, I'd like to reclaim front flying saucer. Now, Adam, you've Friedman. been interested in this. What's that? Oh yeah, he 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 was into the flying saucers, Friedman. Absolutely, he was the man. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Adam, you've been in this for a long time. Have you, aside from the video there from the Sky Hub, but have you ever personally seen uh, anything anomalous like that in your, you know, even if it was before you got into UFOs? Like, uh, have you ever had a UFO sighting? Oh sure, yeah, that's why I got into them. That that was in two thousand eight. Um, I was out in trial in West Texas. We were in a a federal trial. And after the first week of trial, um, me and one of the plaintiffs, his name's Joe, and the owner of the Big Ben Telephone Company, uh, Mr. Haynes, we were all out having a dinner on a Saturday night with some friends of the plaintiff. And it came to find out that was a retired naval captain uh, who built a house in the Davis Mountains. And so we're out at his house, and it's a beautiful view. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, basically, he chopped the top of one of these little tall hills off and uh, put his house on it. So we're sitting outside, and he hands us these night vision binoculars. And he says, hey, uh, take a look uh, up in the sky with these things. And those were the I mean, Gen 4, you know, really nice ones. And uh, I, I look up in the sky, and we see satellites doing their thing, just slowly trekking across the sky. And then one of these satellites just stopped, and it went back the other direction. And I looked at the other guys, and I said, can you all see that? And, of course, they can't see it. They don't have the binoculars. So I yeah, looked yeah. back up, and this thing shoots left, right, up, down, side, 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 ding, 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 boom, and it just flies off. And I'm thinking that had to have just covered 5,000 miles in a half a second. And uh, I told the, the guys out there with me, and they, they don't believe it, obviously, but they take the binoculars, and then sure enough, Joe <laughs> Clark, he starts, he starts to see one too. And 
then Jeff Haynes goes out and sees one too. And I'm thinking, this is insane that this naval captain who's retired gave us these binoculars and told us where to look. And that was yeah. 2008. Now, of course, we're, I'm not going to find out about the naval videos from 2004 until much later, like when everyone else right. did in 2017. So, I mean, it's a funny coincidence. And is it a coincidence? Do the Navy guys know a lot more than they're saying? Who knows? But ever since then, I mean, I called home. I was calling people in my family. Like, I think we're being invaded. Um, so, anyway, who knows what that was. But it, That's it pretty got wild. Like, he knew – clearly he was – Clearly, he was sort of down with the down down. Out, yeah, yeah, out there. Right. In He's that, down in with that, the phenomenon, the so to mountain. speak, because you know the whole infrared that's right. binoculars that's, thing. That's a UFO thing nowadays. Well, he wasn't using infrared. Those were the I don't know what oh, okay. the ones night vision, night vision. I meant yeah, yeah, night yeah. Vision. These were Gen Four, and that, and he's out there by the McDonald Observatory. So we're talking about really clear skies. Um, yeah. It could have just been coincidence, but now that I've learned about the naval's connection to this stuff, the naval connection to this stuff, it, it, it is an awfully coincidental thing for him to have showed us where to look. <laughs> so it's just a funny yeah, it's very anecdote. Now, Steve, didn't you say you were with naval intelligence for a while? I was. Yeah, all right, I, has I that come up at years. all? Like, because you know how people in UFO UFO world are like. You know, they don't trust any. Well, nowadays it depends. It depends on what you say, I guess. They'll 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 trust you if you say what they want you to say. But uh, has that come up at all? Or aside from me asking you about it, when you were in naval intelligence, I take it you had nothing to do with, um, you know, anything anything anomalous, so to speak. Uh, if, if you could tell us, uh, I'm sure it would have come up. But but uh, you, you you weren't involved in any UFO projects with naval intelligence. No, I wasn't. Not at all. So mostly, I w- I worked in security. But it's it's interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, you were you worked in the intelligence community, and everybody thinks like you're involved in this super secret, you know, government right, right. spying and all this stuff. But no, I I wasn't involved in anything like that, and uh, you know, it hasn't been an issue yet. <laughs> but I, there's a lot of people out in the community that are very leery of people that have worked in the intelligence community. Right, exactly. That's that's why. Uh, yeah, as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, oh no, this guy's probably <laughs> he's probably he's probably heard it from people who were like, shut up, G-man. I know what you're up to. I know what you're up to, G-man. So I ain't putting that box in my backyard. But we want you to put the box in your backyard, folks. It's it's pretty cool. Now, what about if it rains? I live in Massachusetts. What if it snows? Do I need to like bring it in? So it's. Yeah, the the cameras are weatherproof, right? So if you want to keep it outside year-round, you really need to have like a weatherproof box. So you can get a weatherproof weatherproof box for about $100. Uh, most of all the cameras are weatherproof. The only thing with the snow that you need to keep in mind is you actually you got to wipe the snow off the, the lens. Yeah. Just yeah. so it keeps recording. And that's really it. I mean, you want your camera in an accessible place that you can go give it a quick cleaning or wipe it off or access if you need to to check on something. Yeah. All right. And then underneath in that box part is like all the technical computery stuff. Yeah. All the computers, the, the sensors and all the power and the internet is all in that box. So you just run a power cable and internet cable to it and you're good to go. Yeah. I definitely think you guys should sell them on the website. Cause, uh, 
That's a really nice looking. <laughs> That's really. I would have people. Sh- I, no, I don't want to be mean. I was gonna say like, because if I'm thinking about like if I made one, it would be like all dilapidated and like a car on a cardboard box and like just bad. But uh, that maybe that would be cool. You guys should have a thing that showcases some of the ones that people have made. People should, people who make their own should share their own directions on how they made them too. I think that would be interesting. We have, yeah, we have I think three different versions. Um, that you can find on the hardware section of the website somewhere. Um, yeah. The one that you're seeing, that, that uh, the white plastic boxing, that's Richard Knopf's design. He's in Austria. Yeah. Um, he's got oh, his wow. thing out there, and it's been in Austria out in the, in the weather for, for quite a while. Um, I haven't had any issues with any of the enclosures I've used, and I'm in you know balmy Houston, Texas. I haven't had any issues whatsoever with humidity. Um, yeah. So... Um, and then there's a couple other guys who've done some designs. Those just were in the drawing stage, and you can see those somewhere on the website too. So, like I said, if you have any listeners who are uh, who like to build stuff, you know, we we got plenty of work to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure people love to build shit. Now's the time to do it if you're stuck at home anyway. So it would be cool to yeah. see what kind of stuff people can come up with. Now, when the Navy guy gave you the binoculars and everything, clearly he wanted you to look where he thought there would be a UFO or knew there would be a UFO or what you, he thought you would think was a UFO. Um, did mm-hmm. he, did he sort of like, how did that, how did that, how did that moment end? Were you like, guy, I forget, I forget what you said his name was, but Bob, um, what the hell was that all about? Or like, whoa, what was that? Bob, yeah. do you know anything about that? Like, did it, did, I'm sure something came up in the, in the conversation. Oh, like, yeah. did, what was that exchange like? It, I mean, we were all pretty freaked out. Uh, I'm, I mean, we're all we're all you know adult, you know professional men out there looking at this stuff. So obviously, we think he knows what that was. Uh, and, right. You know, he, he he just played stupid. He played dumb, ah. and uh, he denied knowing anything about it. And it and it and it and it only happened for ten minutes. So it was just enough time for the three of us to see it there were probably five other people there waiting their turn. So by the time it got to the fourth person, whatever was up there quit happening. Right, and right. So that was, it was just a 10 minute time. Yeah. And it is awfully strange that he knew where to point us to look. So it may be something that he's seen there a lot. And I'm obviously going to ask him to put a tracker out there. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, what about you, Steve? Have you? Uh, it's, I'm guessing probably not because you only got into this like a year ago. But have you ever had any a UFO sighting or even anything that anomalous, um, you know, in your life? Actually, yes. Um, so I've always had somewhat of an interest in the topic. So I'd catch the occasional documentary, you know, watch the UFO show. But I never really actually got involved in the community until this last year. But it's something I've I've been loosely interested in for years. So back in 1996, I actually saw something. I still don't know what it is till this day. I have no explanation for it. So I was outside in Idaho, sleeping outside in, in the middle of the night, and a bright orange and yellow ball came across the sky, floating across the sky. And I was with two other people, and we watched it float across the sky for about 10 seconds. And then it just stopped and sat there just perfectly still for like five, ten seconds, then shot off the direction it came from 
and it cleared the entire sky and horizon in like less than a second, and it was just gone. And I've never seen anything like that since. So ever since I've seen that, I've always had somewhat of an interest in UFOs, but I never actually got into researching or studying UFOs till this last year. Yeah. Um, well, we should mention some of the other guys on the team here because, uh, you know, it, it, I, I like doing that kind of thing. Tell me about Corey Gaspard. He's the co-founder, lead web developer, and, and DevOps, which I take as uh, – I don't know. I assume I, I don't know what the hell DevOps is. I, I assume it's something with the software type stuff. Um, but tell me, tell me, uh, you know what his role is with with the group. Uh, it sounds like if he's the co-founder, it sounds like he jumped you and you and him kind of uh, you and him and uh, yeah. and Adam here got it all rolling at the same time or something. Yeah. So um, essentially, uh, when Corey came along, I was just slinging all the code myself um, and just doing everything, and he came along and took over all the cloud stuff, he took over all of our deployment and user interface development. So it was mm-hmm. actually a huge help to have him on board because he's a professional cloud architect, and he really kind of got our cloud infrastructure and development um, operations up to kind of like an enterprise level that you would expect, you know, at a professional company. So he really bought, brought a lot of skills and um, expertise to the team that we didn't have before. So he's really taken over a lot of the development for the user interface and and kind of the deployment of the tracker system out to all the trackers. So he's really added a lot to the team, and he's it's it's great to have him on board. We need more people like like Corey to jump onto the team and take over some of the the development efforts. Yeah. Well, it's it's a big undertaking. And uh, what about Richard Hopp? He's the hardware design fabrication. He, did you say he's the one that he? Yeah, I thought you said a different name for the person who made the, the box, but I might have misheard you. Um, but tell me about Richard Hopp. What's his role with the company? So Richard actually kind of popped up out of nowhere. Um, he's actually been with the project pretty pretty early on, but he just came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden he one day says, hey, check out these designs, and he designed that beautiful box that you see on the website. Um, he's, he's a professional. Uh, He's a professional and actually develops products and enclosures for a company in Austria. And mm-hmm. he just popped up one day with these 3D printed uh, models and ha- hardware designs and renderings of that nice white box. And that box became our de facto standard Skyhub enclosure. And ah, he's a very okay. active part of the team for planning out all the power and hardware layout and enclosure layout. So he's he's been a great asset to the team as far as the physical deployment of the tracker. All right, and last but not least, what about my buddy uh, Chris Cogswell? As I said, he's the chair of the Science Advisory Board. So what, what's his role? Uh, what does that entail? So we kind of hit a point in in Skyhub where we acknowledged that we kind of needed we needed a person to help navigate um, other researchers in the academic community. So we also wanted someone that had a, a PhD and that had a very strong background in science to make sure what we're doing with Skyhub is aligning to the scientific method and that we're actually producing data that people want to use. So we, yeah. we got Chris Cogswell and to take over the role of our chair of the science, science advisory board and kind of be that outreach person and that person that drives the scientific aspect of Skyhub. And 
Um, he's currently building up an advisory board with other professionals, and he's put together, you know, great conversations and meetings. We had a great conversation with the chef, Seth Shostak um, from SETI, and he's built other connections with other individuals from universities and researchers, and he's brought in meteorologists. So it's been really fantastic. He's done a great job with outreach for Skyhub. Um. Without, I don't know. I don't want to like have you. Yeah. Well, what did what was? Tell me about the meeting with Seth Shostak because he's very, um, you know, he's sort of like he's very people people in UFO world don't like him because he's anti UFO or he's anti alien. Let's be honest. Um, well, you know, he's skeptical about the alien thing. But I would figure that I would assume maybe that he would be down with what you guys are doing because it's like I said before, it's very similar. To a SETI-like project, it is kind of. I guess you could technically call it a SETI. I mean, SETI's not like a. It, it's like Kleenex or something. You know what I mean? Where it's like SETI is, or, or it's actually the opposite. But but you know, SETI is just the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. It's not uh, just what Seth Shostak's uh, SETI Institute did. Um, it's like any search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Uh, I go outside. If I put a sky hub in my backyard, I, I'd be doing SETI. Um, so what did, what did he say about what you guys are doing? So, uh, I mean, obviously he's skeptical. Yeah, that was just an informal chat, really. Right, yeah. right. I know. I know. Like I said, I didn't want you guys to betray any sort of trust or anything, but was, was he like, yeah. hey, that's a good idea, go for it, or or like, here's, I don't know, I don't like it, or whatever. Or like, I'm skeptical. Um, that's probably more more it, likely. I mean, I'll just talk, talk generally, any scientist um, – I, for the most part, is going to be skeptical of searching for aliens here or UFOs. They're they're very skeptical right. of that. Um, and he's of course Seth Shostak. He's going to be skeptical about this. He probably doesn't think we're going to catch UFOs. But um, the argument I will always make: if we actually get real credible evidence and take it to scientists like Seth Shostak or Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's another popular one. Or even bring right. to skeptics like Michael Shermer, and you actually present them with hard, real evidence, they're going to take that serious because at the end of the day, they're scientists, and they look at evidence. And when yeah. you give them compelling evidence, then they pursue that. So, I guess what would you consider to be compelling evidence from the sky? Like, what, I guess, what, what, would, you, what would you say – uh, you know, something behaving in a manner which is beyond uh, what we think is capable of human flight. So that's sort of a that's a generalization. But like, what would you, what would make you sit up and go, oh shit, we got one? Kind of, what would be your wow signal, if you will? Um, I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, I'm yet, very, right? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what that answer is going to be. And um, the best we can do is collect as much data as we can. And yeah. And let scientists and researchers look through it and study it and analyze it and see if see if we actually find legitimate UFOs. Okay, now here's my here's a sort of a this is well this is this actually works perfectly as we sort of head toward the end of the show. Now, okay, so let's say I get the box right. How? Take me through. This is like I feel bad. I feel like I'm like talking to the fucking cable company, but. But this is you're gonna to have to do this, dude, if you're if this is what you guys are doing. So okay, so so I get the box, right? I get my neighbor Freddie, who's an electrician, to make the box. 
So what do I do now? Take me through. Web- this is the listeners too, obviously. So what? Because I'm on the website and I have no idea. Like, there's no, there's no link or anything. It's like hook your box up to the network. So take take me through the steps that someone's going to have to do to uh, to be a part of the network. Hey, I can, uh, I can right. help you out. Um, go up to the top of the website where it says resources, mm-hmm. and then pull that down and, look, and click on a wiki. And the, the very first thing you see will say getting started. Yep. Ah, okay. There you go. All right. See, I apologize. It is, it is, okay. So, yeah. All right, we don't have to go through all that. So, all right, so that's how, okay, good. Well, I could. So basically. I, could, I couldn't find it. All right. Well, we're, we're definitely going to have like a quick start manual that just has a couple steps to get people started. But really all you have to do is once you get the box set up, we have a, a URL you type in and it'll set up your whole tracker, install all the software, and connect itself to the network automatically. So there's really only one command you have to run once you get the box booted up. And then you'll be rolling. You'll you'll get presented with a little web interface that you go through and fill out a few fields and hit go, and your box will join the network and start sending data. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm on here now, folks. It's actually pretty. Yeah. What is Skyhub? Because how do I set up a Skyhub? How do you build it? Uh, deploying Skyhub outdoor inclusive. Okay. Yeah. This, so a lot of the logistical questions, some of which I've I pestered you guys with tonight, are available on the wiki. Um, for people yeah, who want to join in on the phone. Yeah, we got a guy named Justin Phillips who put a lot of work into that, and uh, another guy named James Price. Justin Phillips and James Price. Thanks, guys. Yeah, because that's important. Because, like I said, I mean, it's it, it's. I, I felt a little overwhelmed or whatever. Like, <laughs> like I was daunted. I'm like, like I said, it's like, all right, well, I'd like to do this, but how will I, how will I be a part of Skyhub? So that's how you do it. You go to the skyhub.org and you scroll down to wiki, and that'll bring you to uh, that'll bring you the directions on how to be a part of this. So, I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. Um, if somebody goes and makes them, I'll buy one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll, I'll look into trying to do it myself, but as I said, I, I'm really not um, mechanically inclined like that. So that's why I think I think it would be cool to to have have uh, a have, have one I could just order and open up and take out of the box. Um, now, what about an app? Has it, has it? You guys loop this into an app? Seems like everybody's doing apps and shit now. So, uh, sorry, is it, I guess you could probably kind of just run the thing into a in, into a thing on your phone, right? So, right now, we we do have a web interface that you can use on your web browser from your computer or from your phone. Um, we do plan on making an actual native mobile app for uh, Apple and Android, so you can actually check out your tracker and your videos from anywhere. So that'll be right. something that. We'll we'll probably get done over the next uh, the end of the year, maybe next year. We've we've got a lot of work to do, so might take a little time to get get a mobile app out there. But if you're an app developer, come join Skyhub and you can start working on it now. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like what you guys are doing, and uh, I don't I don't get the impression that this is some kind of like get rich quick scheme or anything <laughs> or anything like that. They seem to be <laughs> yeah, it seems to be coming because it's like anyone. If you want to be a part of it, it's going to cost money. But that's 
how, how else are you going to get the fucking box, folks? Like, that's not <laughs> – like, like we can't just – you can't just – can't just make one out of thin air. Um, it's uh, it's not like that. Um, it's it's not, it's not like MUFON where you pay fifty bucks and get a card. So uh, yeah, so it, it makes perfect sense in that in that regard. I think, uh, like I said, uh, an easy access to these things would be really huge. So it would be cool if you. I don't even know. Everyone's going out of business nowadays. I don't even know who'd make that. Craftsman or something, or uh, Sky and Telescope, or one of those places like that. Um, but who knows? It would be cool. So what else? How can people, aside from, take us one more time, like how people can help out, how can be, people be a part of this? Skyhub.org is the website. Um, you got recurring donation, one-time donation. Recurring, I assume, is the Patreon. Um, yeah, and uh, and the chat is like a, just an ongoing chat room. That's yeah. right. Um, there's, you know, 15 different topic uh, sections. So you can see right away when you get into the chat room, if you want to go discuss fabrication, you can go there. If you want to go into analysis, you can go there. Um, you know, ideas we have, so you can go there. Um, so you can find out, you know, whatever you best fit for, you can you can go right to that topic and start talking about it. Oh, nice, yeah. It's like, uh, looks like Slack, kind of. I don't know. I don't know what system you guys use. Yeah, it might be it might be Discord. Yeah, I don't, like I don't I've never been on Discord, so um but it might be something like that. Alright, well what's next for you guys? Like what's what can what can uh you know what what can people expect? You're gonna roll out a, a you're you're kinda hoping that this that the wheels start turning now and people start deploying these boxes, right? You're gonna roll out a new a new version of the software and then uh you know, like I said, I don't I don't want to be a dick to your community, but folks, if you're in the community, you got to be. The whole thing is dependent on people participating in the in the process of uh, getting, uh, making a box, getting a box, and putting it out there. So, I guess that's sort of what you you need sort of this momentum to go on, right? Yeah, Absolutely. we need people to come join the community. We need people to deploy trackers. We need developers, and you know, hey, if if you just want to, if you want to donate um, to our Patreon. Uh, to pay for the cloud storage and the cloud infrastructure, um, just you know, jump in, be a part of it, contribute in any way you can, and uh, let's make this thing happen. Well, it sounds like a very promising project. I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, you know, I, I think I hit you with a million questions. Is there anything else I forgot to ask in this <laughs> in this in this conversation? I feel like we pretty much covered almost everything. Yeah, I, um, I think we've got the YouTube link on the website. We've got the Patreon link on the website. We've got the uh, instructions there. We've got the chat that's pretty well set up. Um, you know, you can follow us on Twitter at Skyhub10 uh, is the Twitter handle. Um, yep. We have a we have a subreddit on Reddit, and that's Skyhub um, is the name of that sub. Anything else, Steve? I think that pretty much covers it. But yeah, if you want to get involved or if you just want to build a box, the best place to hit us up is at chat.skyhub.org and we're all available in there pretty much all day. And uh, If you have any yeah, questions, come, you come can email us. Us, uh, email us at team at skyhub.org if you have some I, Somebody did questions. ask a question in the chat actually that is an interesting one. I, I hate to slip on a banana peel after we did the close-up, but what about uh, has anyone... 
What about sort of privacy concerns? I mean, we're talking the UFO community is very, they're very uh, paranoid. No offense to the UFO folks. Uh, and, and so is there, uh, have, have you seen any sort of pushback where people are like, well, I don't want my address being, I don't want people knowing where I live. Um, you know, is there any sort of concern about that? Because if, if you have a box and you're, and you're part of the community, then people would have to know where your box is, right? Yeah, so um, when we release the public data, um, when it comes to the GPS readings, we'll have to reduce the precision of the GPS, um, uh, basically. So we don't want to broadcast where all the boxes are, especially we don't want people to go look at a map and be like, okay, this is where all the boxes are. Let's go steal them all. So yeah, we, I was we will say, have to reduce the precision. Yeah, we'll have to reduce <laughs> the precision in the data that we, we make available publicly. Um and you know, just to protect people's houses and property. Yeah, 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 yeah. That didn't even dawn but on me until uh, somebody asked. But yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Beyond that, um, we don't include anybody's personal information in the data set. We don't include names or any any of that information. So, really, yeah. there's no focus on collecting information about people. It's all about the tracker, and we are mindful that, you know people's address addresses will be in the GPS coordinates. So we will, we will solve that problem. That's, that's not an issue. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So with all that, like I said, I, I didn't mean to bring that down on the last question there, but uh, somebody just slipped it into me and I was like that, I didn't even think of that. So it's like, let's try and cover everything. Um, all right. So the website is skyhub.org. I highly recommend folks check out the YouTube as well. It's skyhub. Uh, just punch that in. You'll see, That'll really, and we'll have a link up to it on the Banal of America site in the uh, write-up for the show. That really kind of captures, encapsulates, um, you know, what what exactly this this thing is going to be producing. Um, I'd even suggest maybe putting it somewhere right on that homepage, one of these videos, because uh, that really kind of shows people what what they'll be seeing with Skyhub once this thing kind of gets up and running. Um, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Let me know if I can help you out in any way. And uh, once I, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on things and, and, and trying to get one of these boxes. I want to be, I want to be in on the, uh, in on the network. So who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll finally uh, pick up something interesting here at, at the compound. So, uh, like I said, skyhub.org is the website. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Steve, for doing the show. Much appreciated, my friends. Well, Thanks thank for, having, for having us on. Have a great night. Night. All right. Have a good night. All right, folks. There you go. That was. Uh, why do I do this? I don't have the notes in front of me. Come on, Banal. Get with it. Uh, yeah. It's the last names I have the problem. There you go. Uh, there you go, folks. That was Steve McDaniel and Adam Allen of Skyhub. Very interesting. Very interesting idea. Um. We talked about something – I should have brought this up on the show, but uh, we, we talked about something similar to this with uh, Peter Davenport like a decade plus ago, uh, talking about a passive radar system that he was suggesting uh, spread out across America. So uh, very kind of similar idea, but with new technology, and it's enticing. I'm interested. I'm definitely interested to see what these guys uh, pick up with this thing. As I said, I watched that Discovery Channel show where they – show the different cameras following the bank robbers. And it's like, oh, if we could follow the UFO like that, we'd find out where it goes. Um, all right, so with that said, uh, yeah, I intimate, I was 
a little grumpy at the start of the show tonight, folks, because last week we had Edward Dumont uh, scheduled for the show. We were ready to go. I was talking to him five minutes before the show started, ready to go on the air. And uh, blog talk just fucked me again. And uh, I don't even feel bad saying this because I emailed them when this was happening. It wouldn't broadcast live nor record. Uh, which is with a Justin Bamford episode it recorded but didn't broadcast live. Uh, you know, I emailed them, and uh, they just replied the same way they did with the Justin Bamford episode, where they're like, well, we got it fixed now. And I wrote them back and said, why am I paying you? It's expensive. This is expensive to do, uh, to have the freedom to do the show the way we do it, in prime time, live, and all that. Um so I said, like, why am I paying you this money uh, every month? Now you've ruined two out of my last three shows. And, of course, uh, they did not even write me back. So I got no response to that. I guess, I, I guess, you have no, I guess there is no way really to respond to that. We're, we're a shitty company. So the, the long and the short of it is, is that we're going to roll on with blog talk uh, like a rickety old airplane through – uh, the summer, when we wrap up the summer of strangeness, I'll take a few weeks off, and during that time, I'm going to look at finding uh, a new service to broadcast live because uh, I need something reliable. I can't, I can't work with something that shits the bed uh, two out of three weeks. So I hate people that talk like do this inside baseball talk on their show, but I, I kind of wanted to explain this. To people who've been sitting around going, what the hell happened with Banal of America last week? Well, that's what happened. So, Edward, I told him I had the Skyhub guys set up for tonight. Um, I was working through the schedule for August. And so, Edward's going to be on next week. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about colonialism. We're going to talk about the Michele Membe uh, legend. We're going to talk about reptilians. Uh, essentially, like how the British colonialism led to a lot of these legends of uh, mysterious creatures in Africa. Um, and we're going to talk about the Flat Earth, because he's a big Flat Earth fan. I, as you know, I'm a big Flat Earth fan. Uh, I'm not a Flat Earth believer, but I am a fan. I'm a friend of the Flat Earthers. Um, and he's done a lot of fantastic research on areas of the Flat Earth that I have not explored as much. Uh, people think it's a very American phenomenon, very European phenomenon, parts of Australia, but he's looked at it in other communities, other cultures. Um, it's surprisingly popular in the Middle East. It's huge in Brazil. Uh, uh, there's a connection to Bo- uh, Boko Haram. or Ho- Yeah, that's how you say it, I think, Boko Haram. Yeah, they're somehow connected to the flat earth. So he's looked into all that. We're going to get into, you know, the... F- if the flat earth alone is on the fringe. We're going to get into the fringe of the fringe uh, and learn about sort of the the more obscure realms of, of flat earth. And that will be next time on Banal of America. That's going to be, what, August 14th at 9 p.m. Cross your fingers, God willing. I'm going to be mortified if we go to get on the air next Friday and I have to, I have to postpone Edward again. He's a very nice guy. Um, 
And so, and so if that happens, I was just terrified tonight. I had two guests. What, what, what would happen if the show fell off the rails? Um, luckily, it didn't. Everything worked out fine. And, uh, and Steve and Adam were great guests and a fascinating conversation. And uh, they're working on some exciting stuff. So, uh, enough of my yakking. You've heard me ramble enough. Next week, Edward Guimont, nine. I think it's Guimont. I asked him before the show, too, and he told me, and now I forgot. But uh, So I'll have to get that again. But I'm pretty sure it's Edward Guimont. But be that as it may, nonetheless, regardless, putting that aside, next week, Dr. Edward Guimont, Ben All of America, August 14th, 9 p.m. Eastern, two hours. Uh, I'll be coming off a, a vacation. I'll be on vacation next week, so I should be hopefully in a good mood. Um, and I'm gonna really look, looking forward to talking about. <laughs> Jesus, I'm tired now. I'm really looking forward to talking about the flat Earth with him because uh, I do love that flat Earth. So, with all that said, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Until next time, this is Tim and All saying, "Have a great weekend," and I'll talk to you next week. Good night. Yeah.